You're listening to Flaunt, Find Your Sparkle and Create a Life You Love After Infidelity or Betrayal. Have you been betrayed by life, your body, or someone that you love? You're not alone. No matter what you've been through, Naked Self-Worth helps you regain confidence, joy, and enthusiasm so you can create a life you love and flourish. Tune in weekly and learn how. I am so excited for today's show. I am Laura Cheadle, and we are going to talk about sacred rage, sacred grief. We're going to talk about anger and difficult emotions and how to process these emotions, how to feel our emotions fully and how to process them so we can move them through our minds our spirits, our bodies, and so we can actually do something with the emotions and so they won't end up eating us alive. Let me start by saying emotions are so powerful. Emotions truly have the ability to impact our lives for good or for bad. The phrase, ah, I'm making myself sick with worry. That's true. You literally can make yourself sick with worry. Unprocessed emotions cause disease. There have been so many studies, and not even just the woo-woo type studies, but real medical type studies that show how our unprocessed emotions can cause not only things like stomach upset and Crohn's and headaches and tight muscles, but also deeper things like diabetes, cancer, Crohn's disease. I mean, all of these things. And yes, Louise Hay, if you have not studied Louise Hay, was incredible at this. She she is a woman. She, she passed away not terribly long ago, but she really got her start in the um, 80s working with AIDS patients when AIDS was kind of this new, big, scary thing. And her belief in her book was You Can Heal Your Life by Louise Hay. I highly recommend it. But her thing was dealing with the unprocessed emotions to help heal the body. And like I said, in the woo-woo circles, that's always been a thing. And fortunately, now we're starting to really connect the dots. And conventional medical wisdom is starting to explore this because it is true. Have you ever, and if you're, if you're struggling to believe that at all, think about it. How does your body feel when you're really worried about something? Have you ever lost somebody that you love or had a diagnosis or somebody you've loved have a diagnosis. How does your body feel? It kind of collapses in. You don't digest well. You don't just go have a traumatic experience and then just go digest. Like literally people vomit during traumatic situations because your body just can't function. People have headaches, especially like after sometimes when the tension releases and you're like, oh, I've got this headache and I'm exhausted. Emotions impact us physically. Now this show, Flaunt, find your sparkle and create a life you love after infidelity or betrayal deals with betrayal. It deals with uncomfortable circumstances. It deals with rage, grief, transition, loss, some pretty heavy emotions. And no matter what your trauma is, we can be betrayed in all sorts of ways. If we are sexually abused by somebody in a position of power, we've been betrayed by them. If we are betrayed at work because we're always doing things and we're always thinking we're on the right path, and then somebody else gets promoted that we trained, that's a betrayal. If we get a medical diagnosis or look in the mirror and realize, oh my gosh, I'm aging, 
It can feel like your body is betraying you. Like, how is my body doing this? Why is my body gaining all this weight when I'm working out and I'm eating right? How is my body doing this? There are so many ways that we can be betrayed. When I was practicing law and the judge called me into his chambers and talked about my legs and my hair and my smile, that was a betrayal. I trusted the judge to be professional, to treat me with as much respect and decorum as I was treating him in the courtroom. He betrayed my expectations. He betrayed my trust. And it's painful. When my husband betrayed me sexually, that betrayed my trust. That betrayed me as a person. When he betrayed me financially, emotionally, spiritually, all of those were betrayals and they all create this emotion. So whatever your betrayal is, I'd like you to take a moment and think about the emotion that comes up from that. The emotion, the result of your trauma. It can even be a car accident. I was in a car accident not too long ago. It's traumatic. I would go to bed at night and I would have images and I would remember the feeling and I'd have thoughts and I'd start thinking things like, what if, and what if I, and if only, and all of that. Trauma. Trauma creates emotion. Now, here's the tricky part. Sometimes you don't even have to have the trauma, but you can have the emotion anyway. If you start thinking about leaving your spouse, if you think about leaving your job or moving or doing anything like that that's a disruption, and you start thinking about it and you're like, oh, oh, you can create the emotion, even though that situation has not manifested or happened yet. You can think about losing somebody that you love. You can start catastrophizing something and you can create emotion. Have you ever, whether it's been around COVID or something else, let your mind just start ruminating. Oh my God, they're going to get this and then they're going to die and then I'm going to be left and then this is going to happen. And you can literally work yourself into a frenzy into a tizzy and nothing has even happened except up here in your mind. Did you know that the mind creates sensation in the body? Have you ever been sleeping at night and you dreamed you were slipping on ice and boom, your body jerks? The ice slipping was happening in your head. It wasn't happening in your body but your body responded anyway. Whatever you think manifests in your body. So when you're thinking, I'm going to be hurt, I'm gonna die alone, I'm never gonna find love, I can't trust people, it manifests in your body. Maybe even in ways that you don't fully understand, but it does manifest. Now, today's show is on sacred grief and sacred rage and how to process it. So there is a difference between knowing you've got grief, knowing you've got rage, knowing you're fearful or afraid or whatever, and not knowing how to process it. That's different than knowing that there might be stuff in your body, but you're not even willing to admit it. So let's start just briefly with the stuff that you might not know is there, and then we'll move into the stuff that you do know is there. So you can start processing it and we can start dealing with it. I want you to be aware of the fact that even if you don't necessarily know it's there, if you're like, no, I'm just not that angry. It's really fine. I stayed home for a year during the pandemic. It was fine. I'm really not angry. I'm really not upset. It wasn't that big of a deal. Yes. And there's still something there. No matter how minute, there is still something there because this was big. Anybody who watches the news or reads the paper 
or interacts at all with the news cycle is kept in a slightly constant state of fear. The news cycle is not about happiness. Big headlines sell stories. We all love a good drama, but it keeps us all slightly in that emotional state of fear. The reason you can say, yeah, my aunt died and I wasn't that impacted or yeah, whatever. It's fine. I lost my job. You know, I'm going to be okay. The reason you can say, oh, I'm going to be okay. Oh, it wasn't that big of a deal. Oh yeah, whatever. Mm -hmm, people die all the time. The reason that you get to that state is because you've been so sensitized and so desensitized and so numbed out because it's been thrown at you and thrown at you and thrown at you. But it still impacts you. It doesn't matter if you've been desensitized to something. It still hurts your body. So that's the first place to go. If you're here because of any kind of a betrayal but or intimate partner betrayal or whatever, and you're saying, no, really, I'm okay. I can deal with it. I'm a strong person and I can just lean in and I can fix it and I can make it work. I want to call you out on that. You are a strong person. Yes. You can make it work. Yes. You're going to be okay. Yes. And guess what? It still impacts you. And I know you might feel like, no, I'm not pretending I'm really okay. That's fine, but that's a defense mechanism. Please know that. Then once you get to that place where you're like, mm, I think I can feel it. Then come back to this show because that's what we're going to deal with next is what to do when you're feeling it and how to process it in a healthy Just like anything, there's always two sides to the same coin. We can always move too far and go into a state of destruction. And so many people are afraid of that when it comes to their emotions, especially women. Why? Because most women are raised to be good to be quiet, ugly cry. You don't want an ugly cry. Show us your pretty smile. You're going to be okay. Smile, buck up. It's going to be okay. Nobody wants to see you cry. Boys are told that too, but it's for a different reason. Boys are allowed to have more rage than girls. Girls are shut down. Boys and girls are shut down both. I, I, I do want to clarify that. Boys and girls are both shut down, but in different reasons. Women are typically not allowed to have too much rage. A girl having a fit is a different story than a boy having a fit. And girls don't understand how to express or how to modulate rage as well. It's more acceptable, even today, for a man to fly off the handle at work and for a woman to cry at work than the other way around. Think about that. If your boss is a male and he's crying, you might feel a little more awkward than if your boss is a female and she's crying. You will definitely have different thoughts about it. You might think he's emotionally in touch and you might think she is emotionally too much. Same goes for if you have a male boss who is angry and yelling versus a female boss who is angry and yelling. He might be truly fed up and get something done and she might be hormonal. It's okay to have thoughts about that. What's not okay is not expressing it. So think about your own childhood. How are you encouraged to express rage, anger, grief, and sadness? Were you told, shh, 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 quiet down? 
Were you told don't do that, that's not okay? Were you told to take it to your room? Were you encouraged to keep crying? Keep crying. Get it. Let it out. Let it out. Were you ever asked, what are you going to do with that? You feel awful and you feel miserable and this is so unfair. What are you going to do with that? How are you going to let that out? How are you going to allow that rage to pour out of your body? And then what are you going to do with it? Or were you, you encouraged to go get help somewhere else? Tell somebody they'll take care of it. Go tell the teacher. She'll take care of it. Go tell your mom or your dad. They'll take care of it. Most people are not told as kids, let alone as adults, Keep crying, keep feeling, lean into that, move, get it out. Most people don't know how to create sacred space in order to do that. And they're afraid because they've never practiced it, that they will lose control. If I start going down this rabbit hole, I'm never going to find my way out. If I start thinking about all of this, it's going to take me down or I'm gonna kill someone, I'm gonna be that mad. That's the line of thinking that most people have when I ask them, why aren't you letting it out? They're afraid they're gonna lose control. Why are they afraid they're gonna lose control? Not from experience, from lack of experience. When we have practice grieving, when we have practice expressing our rage, we find the parameters. We found the, find the boundaries. We know how much of it we can hold. And we also know that it's temporary. We know that it dissipates because we've experienced it. Crying yourself to sleep is a really good thing. You cry and you let it all pour out. And then you're emotionally exhausted and you sleep because it is out versus staying up all night and waking up every hour or so with all of these horrible thoughts that you can't let go of. Cry it out, move it out, scream it out, sob it out. Now there's different ways to get it out. There's the physical ways to get it out. There's the emotional ways to get it out. There's the intellectual ways to get it out. There's spiritual ways to get it out. How do you know what's best for you? Until you practice, you don't. It is my most sincere wish for you that you have a lot of grief and a lot of rage and a lot of things happen in the next few weeks or that you can go back and remember them so you can start practicing and figuring out the best way for you. Because once we practice something, once we do it a time or two, then we're like, oh, yeah, I've got this. Think about the last time you learned any skill, speaking a foreign language, playing an instrument, cooking a meal, teaching a class. I don't care what it was. The last time you learned something. How well did you do it the first time versus how well did you do it the 50th time? Experts say that it takes about 50 times of doing one thing to achieve mastery. I've been teaching fitness classes since 1988. Give me any group of people teaching any style with any kind of music and I can pull up a class. Why? Because I've done it since 1988, at least once a week, sometimes like four and five times a week. I can teach a class because I've done it. You know what freaks me out? Teaching a new kind of class. If you're saying, let's go do singing lessons, Laura, I'm like, oh my gosh, let's not. If I'm supposed to teach you how to cook something, oh, no way. I'm going to feel stupid. I'm going to feel awkward. I'm going to feel not good enough. I'm going to feel incompetent. I'm going to be embarrassed. I'm going to feel all of this stuff. Second time, I'm still going to feel that way. Third time, it might be starting to get better. By the 10th time, 
I'm going to be feeling a lot better. By the 50th time, I'll be like, yeah, I got this. I got my process and it's great. That's why a lot of times when I'm teaching a new course or putting together a new program or workbook, I'll ask friends and former clients, hey, do you want to be a part of this? I'm teaching this workshop. Come let me teach it to you and we'll see how it works. It makes me feel better because I've done it already. I see if something works or if something doesn't work. It's the same thing with feeling and expressing grief and rage. You've got to do it and you're going to be bad at it for a while <laughs> and then you'll be okay. Okay, I talked about the different ways to express. You've got to try it. Got to try all of the different ways and you've got to get a little bit competent with every single way. Intellectually. Intellectually means cognitively thinking about it. I am mad because of this. Here is the cause. Here is the effect. Here is what somebody could have done differently. Here's why that's unfair. Here's what this is really about. You're creating that structure in your brain. You're creating that understanding around it. You cheated on me. You hurt me. You fired me when I complained about. I am mad that my brother-in-law got cancer and died young. It's that cognitive story, that processing of why I am in grief, why I am in rage, why I am feeling all of this. It is so unfair for that man, who's a good man, to get cancer and suffer and die young when there's all these really horrible people out there who are siphoning away you know, money and resources and time and they're doing nothing to contribute to society. They're dregs on society. That's unfair. And that makes me mad. And that throws me into rage and grief. That's that intellectual processing of it. Why? What is the story? What makes me so mad about it? Why that makes me so mad? And then telling that story. It's important to tell that story. Journaling is always a really great thing to do. And <laughs> if you're anything like me, you're probably like, journaling, really? Journaling is great. But it's also really, really, really words matter. Sound matters. The vibration of our words matter. It's also really important to tell that story and to get it out into the ethers. And what's really good about that is you can process it and then you can cultivate it and you can hear it and you can be like, whoa, did I really hear that? I need to change that story. Or what is that story really about? Because that doesn't make sense. And you can intellectually go a little bit deeper and you can intellectually take it further and then you can cull and process. And you can intellectualize what happens. Now, what I mean by that is not putting a positive spin on it. It's so important to look towards the positive, but to not put a positive spin on things. And there is a difference between that. I could never say, like with my brother-in-law's death, that, you know, well, now he's not going to get old and die. And that's, I mean, that's a, a ridiculous positive spin. There is no positive spin on that. There just isn't. It really sucks. And it feels awful. But to be able to sit with that awfulness is what is important. And to create the story around that. And then to notice where are the silver linings? Where are the bright spots? You can notice them and you can accept them and you can appreciate them. With my own infidelity story, there's definitely a lot of good that has come from that, but it does not negate the fact that my husband cheated on me for 15 freaking years with five women and he lied and he spent time and money and energy and they lied to me. None of it negates that. That is so horrible. Let me tell you the story of how horrible that was and let me tell you the story of now what? 
The chapter doesn't end with the horrible thing. The chapter ends with what's next. And if you don't know what's going on next, that's okay. What is the direction that you're heading? My brother-in-law passed away and it's awful and this is what happened or and we are still in a state of grief and we are still processing this. It's okay to not know what that next step is. The only thing that's not okay is stopping the story there. And that's that intellectual piece. Hone your story, figure out your story, tell your story, verbalize your story, share your story. Don't keep it under wraps. When you keep it under wraps, it festers. Your story has got to see the light of day. It's got to see air and sunshine and light, and it's got to be told and it's got to be heard. And then say, what's going to happen next? Do not close the book. That's the end of a chapter. That's not the end of a story. And now what? And you can ask yourself that intellectually. And now what? What am I going to do with this? What am I going to do with this empty space in my heart where a person that I loved used to be? What am I going to do with that? Hmm. I can honor them. I could create a legacy. Ooh, I could live my life differently. Hmm. I could move into some of their passions and create something beautiful there. Oh, wow. I could donate to a cancer fund. There's all of these different things that you can do with that. With my husband's cheating situation, wow. What am I going to do with that? Okay. I didn't cause it. It's not my problem, but this is a good opportunity for me to start looking at myself and what I want in my life. This is a good opportunity for me to really think about relationships. What I deserve. Wow. What are some of my really messed up beliefs around relationships? Going forward, do I want to be bitter? Do I want to be untrusting of men? Hmm. How do I want to be? I want to be, I want to be loving. I want to be trusting. I want to be honest. I want to be open. I want to retain a certain level of my innocence. Wow. That's how I want to be. That's what I'm going to do with it. I'm going to use that incident to help me decide something about the future, myself, my world, I'm doing work helping other betrayed women because of this, because I know the pain, because I know the devastation. So what are you going to do? What are you grieving? Who did you lose? What horrible thing happened? How are you victimized? We're all victimized. Were you raped? Were you assaulted? What happened to you? Intellectualize the story around it. Speak that story, write that story. It's not that you're closing that chapter, but end that chapter. And now what? What is the next chapter? Is the next chapter and nothing ever changed and she withered away and died? What is that next chapter? Intellectually process it and ask yourself, what is that next chapter? What am I going to do with this? Now, emotionally, we also need to process grief and rage Emotionally, it's got to move through us. Our bodies are electrical beings. We carry this electrical charge all around us. And when we're startled or angry or enraged, woo, we charge up. We charge. We literally charge. If you've ever felt prickly or been like, I just can't settle down, that's that emotional charge around you. It's real. The energy around your body is real. When you're in grief, that energy can pull in. When you're in rage, that energy can spark out. And then you can spark with other people and be really grouchy. Or when you're in that grief, you can suck down in and you can bring other people down and be a total buzzkill. First step is noticing what that energy is. The first step is naming your emotion. I'm devastated. I'm sad. I'm heartbroken. I am freaking furious. 
I'm afraid of failure. I'm afraid of loss. I'm afraid that this is the best that it's ever going to be going to be. And I'm never going to come up to this level again. I'm afraid no one's going to love me. I'm afraid I'll never be accepted. I'm afraid I'll be an outcast. I'm afraid I'm a loser. I'm afraid I'm crazy and I don't see it. Name it. Name what's going on. It might take you a while to figure out what's going on and that's okay too. It took me a long, long, long time to name what I was feeling after the judge betrayed me. The judge betrayed my trust. I had the expectation that somebody in that high level of a position was going to be a good person who was going to see me professionally. It was a betrayal of trust. Took me a long time to figure that out. Mostly, I thought I did something wrong. Why could I be so stupid? Why didn't anybody tell me? Oh my gosh, I won a case. That's awful. How embarrassing. Took me a long time to figure out, uh uh. I trusted the institution. Just like when you are sexually assaulted, sexually abused, um, physically assaulted in any way, battered emotionally, verbally, physically. When somebody does something at work, it blindsides you and you go, wait, I didn't expect that. So how do you feel? How do you feel? Name it. When you know you're in a bad situation, maybe a relationship, you know you need to leave. What do you feel? Gosh, part of me is really excited. Part of me is terrified. Why am I terrified? Well, I don't want to fail. I don't want to lose. I'm afraid it'll never be this good. Name it, name it all, name it, name it, name it, name it, name it. Until you can name it, it just stays inside you, in your energy field. Name it. Then sit with it once you've decided what it is and ask yourself, where does it live in my body? Hmm. I'm afraid to go on alone. Okay, where does that live? Where do I feel fear to go on alone? Fear to be on my own. I feel that a little bit in my forehead, like in my third eye area, like I can't see. I feel it in my chest and kind of my solar plexus. And then come, well, is there something underneath that? Yeah. Yeah, what's underneath that? Gosh, there's something about I'm not good enough. If, if I have to go on alone, then I'm not good enough. I'm like an abandoned little girl. I have to make decisions all by myself. And if I make decisions all by myself, how am I going to know what to do? Gosh, that seems scary, being totally responsible for everything on my own. Hmm. All right, so there's some independence, there's some abandonment, there's some, so what's beyond that? What's deeper than that? Sit with that. It might be two layers deep, three layers deep, four layers deep. Just keep going deeper until you're like, no, I really think that's it. From abandonment, from lost little girl, from, hmm, not good enough acceptance. Oh, wow. What else is there? And that might be enough. That might be enough for the day to start naming it. Because then when you've got the name for it, the intellectual part of your mind, your brain can start chewing on that. Because when there, our brain likes to close loops, so when we open a loop in our brain, our brain likes to solve that problem and close the loop. So when you're like, oh, 
I'm afraid of rejection. I'm afraid of being abandoned. I feel like a lost little girl and I'm afraid to do this all on my own. Hmm. Then your brain can start answering that question. Oh yeah. Remember the time when blah, 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 blah. Oh yeah. You're able to do this. Remember that? You'll start solving your own problems. And that helps the emotion move through you. And it helps clear that energy field because instead of this big conglomerate of grief, rage, shame, whatever, it's, it's labeled, it's identified. And then that intellectual mind can start doing something with it. One of my favorite ways to also clear that is literally swooping your arms around your body when you've labeled it. Ooh, it's in my throat. I just feel so stifled. It's like you're moving it away by using your hands and clearing out the energy field. I said like that headache kind of third eye area, whoosh, swoop it away, whoosh, clear it out of your energy field. Ooh, yeah, over your head, on your legs. There's often stuff in our stomach, our back, our shoulders. Just take your hand and swoosh, and you can even say swoosh, swoosh, clear shimmying, shaking, jumping, which moves us right into that next, the physical ways of getting rid of it. Moving your body clears that energy. Moving it in any way (laughs) clears it, but moving it consciously with the realization of what it is you're moving, that's way more powerful. So can you run it out? Can you dance it out? Can you swim it out? Can you box it out? Yes. You've probably heard of punching pillows, writing things down and shredding it, going to the thrift store, buying things that you can break, some old glasses, some dishes, smashing something, having that physical release running, swimming, crying, doing something physical really helps. Doing something physical with intent and the knowledge about what it is you're releasing, now that is powerful, man. So you get your story. You intellectually talk out your story. We're just going to do this process with um, my infidelity story. So here's my story. My husband cheated on me. He lied to me. I can't say cuss words. It makes me want to say cuss words. So if I'm alone, I'm going to be saying those, that so-and-so. He did this. She did that. They did that. How dare you? Here's the, I'm talking it. You did this to me. You did. I'm talking. I'm creating the story around it. And now what? And did you hear what I just did? Putting the sound to that energy that's coming out. Think about when you're telling a story. I'm so frustrated. I can't believe it. Ah, oh. When you have pain, you make sounds. Mm, I've got it. Put those sounds to it. You don't even have to think about the sounds. That's the beauty. You're expressing And you're letting the energy come through as a sound, which is a vibration. So tell your story. That's that first piece. Here's the story. That chapter ends. And now what? Hmm. Something needs to happen. I need to take control of my life again. I need to step into my own power again. Never, oh, ever, 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 ever. Am I going to have somebody hurt me? Never will I give somebody that power. And if they hurt me because I've done that, oh, this is what I'm going to do. And this is what I lost because of that. And this is what I'm taking back. And this, this is what I can never take back. And this is what I refuse to give going forward. I gave all of those years and I refuse to give you one more day of misery. I refuse to let myself suffer one more second because of you. You don't have that power over me. I am taking that back. So that's that intellectual piece. That's that story around it. 
Okay, so let's move into the emotions around it. The, <clears throat> what is that that I'm feeling? <clears throat> okay, that's hard. Anger, rage, frustration, bitterness, resentment. Okay, great. Where are those coming up? Oh, there's some in my head. God, there's some in my shoulder. Oh, it's down here in my gut. What is that leading to? Oh, feeling stupid, feeling taken advantage of. Where does that go? What does that, what does that mean? Rage. What does that mean? Where is that in my body and how can I clear it? I'm clearing it with my hands. Now I'm going to clear it with my movement. Okay, so rage. What does that mean? What is a movement that embodies rage? Running fast? Brrr, pounding? Uh, uh. What is a movement that shows rage? Do that movement. Bitterness. Oh, bitterness. Here's where bitterness is. Here's where it goes through. Whoosh. What is a movement that shows bitterness? For me, there's some rocking in that. There's some swooshing in that. That movement feels like bitterness. Feels like it clears the bitterness. Okay, fear. God, I'm feeling fear. Fear about the future. Fear about going forward. Fear about my worth. Fear about my looks. Fear about my intellect. Fear. Wow, there's a lot of fear. Okay, what does that go back to? Wow, that, that feeds into all the other times when I wasn't good enough. All the other times I was passed over. All the other times. Gosh, that fear is actually really sadness. Wow. Okay, where is that sadness? That's in my shoulders. That's in my heart. Hmm. How do I move that through? Oh, shoulder circles. Okay, that doesn't really feel that good. That feels, ooh, that swooshing, that flight, like a flight. Yeah, that feels good. How does that movement help? Do you see how it's that conscious awareness of what it is, what's underneath that, and how that really flows in my body? Yeah, that's a lot of arm movement. Sadness and arm movement. That feels good. That flapping, that flying. Yeah, that feels powerful. That's moving that sadness to joy. I can kind of fly away from that. I can bat it out. I'm moving my heart. That's what it means to dance it out, to run it out, to punch it out, to kick it out. And that's why it's different. Kicking something is a different energy than punching something, which is also a different energy than ah yelling it out or mm, sounding it out. You've got to practice it. You've got to play with it and let it flow through you. So that's how you move anger and emotion through you. That's how you do it. You do it on all different levels, intellectual, emotional, and physical. We're going to take a quick break for a commercial. And when we come back, what we're going to do is we're going to talk about that overwhelming, that fear of being overwhelmed by your emotion, uh, that balance of how to know when to stop, how to know when enough is too much, how to know when you're ruminating, how to know all of that stuff, where those little bounds are. And we're going to practice feeling that emotion. So stick with us. We will be right back. To all the women who have cried in the shower, smiled when they wanted to scream, and couldn't wait to get home and unhook their bra, Flaunt is the definitive guidebook on how to get back in touch with who you are underneath your labels, roles, and scripts. Fall in love with yourself right now. Breathe life into the dreams you left behind and live each day with uninhibited joy. Pick up a copy of Laura Cheadle's number one best-selling book, Flaunt. Drop your cover and reveal your smart, sexy, and spiritual self wherever books are sold. It's available in print, digital, and audio formats and comes with two downloadable meditations. And we are back talking about grief, rage, anger, emotions, processing emotions, and the sacred nature of that. Before we move into some of these activities about putting the bounds on things like that, I want to talk about the sacred nature of emotions. All emotions are sacred. 
We feel deeply. Feeling deeply is what makes us live well. You cannot only feel certain emotions. You either have to have them all or none. And while medication has its place, it numbs the pain and also numbs the joy because we can't numb things just one way. Same thing with alcohol or drugs or food or all of these other things that we use to numb out. It numbs the joy. It numbs the grief. It numbs the pain and it numbs the joy. I don't know about you, but I want the highs. I want the medium highs. I want the middle. I want just that plain contentment. No, I don't want the medium lows or the lows, and I certainly hated rock bottom. But if you want everything from halfway all the way up, you've got to take everything from halfway all the way down to. You cannot selectively numb. So that's the first reason that emotions are sacred. We feel such a full range. I do believe animals feel emotion. But we feel differently than animals. Because of our mental processing. It's not because of our emotional things. A lot of animals are just like pure emotion. But we have that intellectual component around it, which is sometimes good and that sometimes it's a curse as well. <laughs> but we feel emotion. That's what makes us alive. That's what makes us not just a biological functioning being, but it makes us alive. Love, excitement, joy, play, all of that is emotion. And we want and we deserve to feel it. Emotion is also sacred because it spurs action and it's a catalyst for everything. I'm going to say that again. Emotion is a catalyst for everything. Nobody just woke up from a neutral state and decided to do something, good or bad. It's emotion that sparks really, really bad stuff. It's emotion that sparks really, really good stuff. Nobody wakes up neutral and does anything about it. They just don't. That's why you have to hit rock bottom. If you're an addict, if you're whatever it is you're dealing with, you have to hit rock bottom. It's sad to say, but that's that emotion. You have to get to the end of your emotion, to the depths of your low point in order for you to change. How many of you have gone on a diet before? <laughs> How many of you have gone on more than one diet? Oh, yes. So many times have I looked in the mirror or put on a pair of pants and been like, oh, no. Oh, no, 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 no. This does not work for me. I have got to lose weight. Leading up until that moment, things were a little bit tight. I knew I was saying no to a workout. I knew I was saying yes to dessert. Weight creeps on and you know that it creeps on. Nobody is truly blindsided by weight gain. It's just that one moment you go, holy cow. This has got to change and it's got to change now. And it's that emotion that sparks change. It's the fact that you can no longer button your favorite pants. It's the fact that you've seen a picture of yourself and you go, oh, that's not me. Something happens that creates that emotion of dissatisfaction. And then you go, I'm going to change. Same thing like with my infidelity story. There were times in my marriage where I wasn't that satisfied. Where I'd be like, ah, we're really in a rough patch. Okay, time for dinner. Hmm, we're in a rough patch. You know what? I've got to get this laundry done. I've got some stuff tomorrow. Hmm, we're in a rough patch. I'm really tired of this. I'm going to call my friend and bitch. But you don't really do something about it. It wasn't until I found out about the infidelity and then I thought about these other times in the past. And then you go, I've got to do something now. I've got to do something now. That's that emotion that sparks change. 
There's all these problems in the world. There's racism, there's sexism, there's cancers, there's diseases, there's inequities, there's unjust things, there's all of these issues. And you know what? We can't spend our whole life fighting every single issue. It's that when something comes into our vortex, our world, that we go, oh my God, Aunt Mildred has cancer and I cannot stand that anymore. Or my daughter was blah, blah, blah. Or, you know, Mothers Against Drunk Driving. All of these different organizations start because people hit that emotional place where they're like, I can't do it anymore. This is unjust. This is unfair. This is awful. And I'm changing. I'm changing me and I'm reaching out and I'm changing the world. That was me with my infidelity story as well. I went through it and it was awful. And I learned so much from that. And I feel like it is my duty to get out there and help other people through it. That was that emotional place that sparked change. Anger is transformative. Grief is transformative. It goes back to that first thing of that chapter. Here's the chapter of the victimization. Here's the chapter of the betrayal. Now what? What did it spark for you? And it's okay if the answer is, I don't know, I'm still in grief. If so, then do that exercise. What am I feeling? I'm feeling grief. I'm feeling sadness. I'm feeling anger. I'm feeling, name it, feel it, process it. And then what is it going to transform in you? Because again, that is that sacred piece. Nothing changes when there's no emotion. Nothing. Even on the dark side, and I hate going to the dark side, but crimes of passion. Most people don't just go out and like randomly shoot somebody or pull out a knife and hack them up. <laughs> it's from a strong emotional place. You have to have that emotional spark. It's sacred. What are you going to use it for? Okay. Now I said we were going to practice feeling some emotion and we're going to. Because you need to know those bounds. First of all, Nobody has ever been completely overwhelmed by emotion. And I know you're going to say, oh, no, 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 Laura, that is so not true. People have emotional breakdowns and they have nervous breakdowns and they can't get off the floor crying. Yes, I know. Been there, done that. We'll do it again. But nobody ever couldn't quit crying. Even when you cry yourself to sleep, you do quit crying. Nobody has ever raged eternally. All emotion is transitory. All emotion is transitory. You cannot just be happy for the rest of your life. You cannot just be content and at peace for the rest of your life. And you can also just not be ticked off and sad and in grief and pain the rest of your life. If you allow yourself to feel. You can continue to renew that grief. You can continue to renew that pain. You can continue to suppress it and suppress it and suppress it and suppress it and suppress it. And then you're going to keep re-going over that same ground. And if you're anything like me, I don't want to keep reliving the day I found out my husband was cheating. I don't want to keep reliving the horrible day that he moved out. I don't want to relive the fights that we had and the pain and crying over it. I don't want to relive that. I want to let it come out fully. I want to name it fully. I want to find it in my body. I want to swish it out. I want to write about it. I want to, ah! I want to dance it out and I want to move through it. An emotion can only be felt for 90 seconds. 90 seconds. That's simultaneously a lot and not so much. I challenge you right now to think about an emotion. And I'm going to dig out my phone while we're doing that. I challenge you to think about an emotion, any emotion. Pain, grief, sadness. Who died? Who hurt you? Who did what to you? I can't find my phone. There it is. Think about that emotion. I want you 
to feel it for 90 seconds. And I'm getting my little timer here and I'm going to time you. But what I want you to do is feel that grief, feel the abandonment, feel the hurt little girl, feel the spurned wife, feel whatever it is. Feel being orphaned, feel being confused, whatever it is. And I want you to move into it as deeply as you can. And if you want to put some sound to it, whoo, do it. If you're somewhere where you can yell, do it. If there's something you can elbow or punch or squeeze or kick or stomp, do it as much as you can for 90 seconds and go. Keep feeling your 30 seconds in. Create it with your thoughts, your memories. Go back to it. Feel it all. Imagine, visualize, pretend. Get your body, your intellect, your emotions, get it all in there. Ten more seconds. Keep pushing. Feel it all. Scream, rage, whatever it takes. And done. Breathe. I hope you're a little bit emotionally charged right now. I hope you can feel the fullness of that emotion and that gift that you just gave yourself to feel it fully. And I also know that if you're in the car or at work or you're somewhere you can't completely do it, that's okay too. It was a practice tonight, later today. Tomorrow, whenever you have some sacred, safe space, move into that. You might cry. You might, you might not. Just feel it. You might need a movie or a song to help you get there. Do it. Listen to those songs that crush your soul. Watch the movie that you always cry. It doesn't matter. Now return to that neutral state. And I want you to make that conscious decision. What I'm going to do with this is. What I'm going to do with this is. And it doesn't have to be miraculous. You might not know. It could be miraculous. You could be creating a foundation. I don't know. Or it could just be, you know what? I'm just going to eat healthy and take a bubble bath. And a good life is the best revenge. And now I want you to move into that fully, that next step for 90 seconds and go. What am I going to do with this? Sacred emotion. Moving up. Neutrality to joy. What's next? How am I going to feel tomorrow? Peaceful, calm, joyful. 
What is my gift? What is the transformation from this? How have I lived feeling this fully? How have I expanded my emotional range? Wow, I felt fully, which means I'm living fully. Push through that positive, that joy. What is next? Five. Two. One. Done. <sighs> Take a deep cleansing breath. Shake your arms. Move that through. I have got a sacred dance class coming up for you. Send me an email, laura at lauracheadle.com or find me on Facebook, Laura Cheadle, L-O-R-A Cheadle on the Flop Flock and you can get the details and we can dance it out together. But remember, your emotion will not overwhelm you. Allow it to move through you intellectually, emotionally, physically. Feel it fully for 90 seconds and then feel what's on the other side of that for 90 seconds. Your rage is sacred. Your grief is sacred. It's a gift. Feeling fully means living fully. Reach out. I can't wait to dance this out with you. Have an amazing week. As usual, always remember to flaunt exactly who you are because who you are is always more than enough. Tune in next time to Flaunt. Find your sparkle and create a life you love after infidelity or betrayal with radio host and live choreographer Laura Cheadle every Wednesday at 7 a.m. and 7 p.m. Eastern Time on syndicated Dream Vision 7 Radio Network. Develop naked self-worth and reclaim your confidence, enthusiasm, and joy so you can create a life you love and embrace who you are today. Download your free Sparkle Through Betrayal Recovery Guide at NakedSelfWorth.com. 